spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in America, Woodstock, New York. Here we are to save the day. Dana and I are back in the studio because it's still this stupid coronavirus thing going on. It is. Hi, Dana. Hi. Hey. Can we talk about masks real quick? Can we please? All right. Um, I don't want to wear them. Really? Yeah, I don't want to wear them. It's infringing upon my rights and uh, I can't breathe. And what about the health risks of wearing a mask for a long period of time? What about that? Oh. Answer it. What about my rights not to be infected by your dumbass? Yeah, but it's just a cloth. So, I mean, how is that going to protect against a virus? Well, first of all, cloth will certainly absorb some of the stuff you breathe out, but also you can use plenty of filters, denim, high thread bedding, and also uh, HEPA filter vacuum. HEPA filter vacuum bags. Are they free range HEPA filter va- vacuum bags? <laughs> Can either of us say vacuum bags? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we cannot. Uh, yeah, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise to any of us, but the pushback against wearing masks is disgusting. It's crazy, and it's actually pretty funny. A lot of people are bringing up that there was very similar type of a pushback when the Spanish flu was going around. Somebody mm-hmm. just colorized a photo that was on Reddit and it was pretty funny. This guy was stopping people from getting on the San Francisco trolley and because they didn't have a mask on, he was like doing the whole stop thing. And they were like, you know, like looking angry at them. And, and it was very interesting that it is so weird. And I just feel like I feel bad for everybody because we have such a weird time that we live in. And there's a lot of people that are afraid, but instead of taking just a minute, literally just a minute to ask the tough questions to like their homing listening device in their house, you know, (laughs) like their, their wiretap that they paid for, you know, they could just say, Hey, Alexa, uh, what's up with masks? Can you tell me what's going on with that? Are they going to work? Or like, what's the difference between the types? But nobody does that. They just kind of keep doubling down. And, And it's very obvious to me that this has to do with just like, our views of the world. And it's really, like I said, in my last article, it really has to do with the fear. Everybody's afraid. And then how do we quell that fear? We don't know how to soothe ourselves. So we grab information that makes us feel better, you know, and Mm -hmm. and stuff that is contrary to what we believe in hurts. It's, you know, you you ever get told you're wrong and you have that feeling in your gut, you know, you're like, oh my, (laughs) uh, like a lot of us can't get over that. And we don't want that. We avoid that feeling. So we just keep going deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole. So that's why they invented deletion on Facebook and Twitter. Right. Yeah. Just delete your crap and then you don't have to stand by it. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, like we've addressed the mask stuff. And, and so there's two pieces. One, it's it's gone too far when people start comparing the masks that we're wearing out of empathy and respect for the weakest among us because of this horrible thing that's gotten way out of control because our leadership is incompetent, right? Mm. And the slave freaking masks, they were comparing them <laughs> to the masks that they used to make the slaves wear. That is the newest oh, meme God. that's circulating. I haven't even seen that. Oh, it's disgusting. It's disgusting that people are actively, like they're putting a picture of somebody in a mask, like a surgical mask, and then a picture of somebody wearing a slave mask from like the, you know, like the 1700s or whatever. Oh my God. The horrible, horrible times that we've had here. So yeah. And somebody at a protest actually had one of those on one of like that, one of those pictures on a 
protest sign. So it's pretty crazy to me how far it goes. And so what I, I felt like I would do just for the podcast audience and you know for the audio clip for my social media to share it <laughs> is to just kind of go over the mask thing. I just want you to know that the mask thing isn't about you. You're not trying to protect yourself. What we're doing is we're, we're wearing it to prevent our boogers from going everywhere. That's probably the easiest way to say it. In fact, it's not just boogers, it's micro boogers. Um, micro boogies, in fact, is the technical <laughs> term. And whenever we cough or laugh or yawn or scream, we're ejecting or even breathe. We just eject these micro boogies. And some of them are big, big respiratory droplets. And some of the particles are really small. And when you wear a mask, no matter the grade, you'll have some blunting of the distance that that micro boogie will travel. Okay. So if you coughed, I think it goes about 16 feet. That's mm. pretty nuts. So like you cough and you don't cough in your hand like my kids do. And it just goes 16 feet in the air. And so that's a real problem. So if you put the mask on, the big micro boogies go down to about zero if you have a decent mask. So that's not like, you know, a thin bandana or something like that, but it's like a surgical mask or something with a little bit more filtration and it. it'll go almost down to zero. But no matter the mask, those big boogers really don't go farther than like three to six feet. And mm -hmm. that six feet number sound familiar to you at all? Mm, it sounds vaguely familiar. Mm -hmm, right. So there's a reason that we've been saying that social distancing is that physical distance between two people should be six feet. I am emotionally distant. So the physical and social distancing is a very easy thing for me to add onto my life here. Same. I, I can't wait until this is over because I'm going to tell people to stay six feet away from me at all times, if it's possible. <laughs> I know, uh, you know, the immediate question that everyone says to each other when they like call each other or Zoom, whatever, is how you holding up? And for me personally, this has been the absolute perfect excuse to be <laughs> as antisocial as I truly want to be. <laughs> I'm going to still be social, but I'm going to have a hat that's fashioned with pool noodles attached to the end. Oh, to yeah, keep yeah. People's <laughs> Six feet. That guy was brilliant, the guy that came up with that. So anyway, so the masks are preventing these micro boogies from going more than just a few feet from our mouths. Now, the, the, the super micro boogies, the small fragments, you're not going to really stop them. But the mask will, again, a good surgical mask will stop them from going very far. And in some of the, stu the studies, some of the tests, some of the you know, graphics um, that I've seen, it looks like it brings it down to about three and a half feet with a good surgical mask, um, uh, those like small, small virus particles. So that's really encouraging because, again, social distancing, keeping six feet away from each other and putting this mask on, and it drops our transmission rates like... 80% of what they would be. It's it's nuts. I mean, it sounds worth it to me. It's, you know, it, it's really like giving me a ton of confidence. Like when that, you know, when these guys have said, okay, well, what is the reality here? Is this going to help us? And they started to look at it. And again, this is not something that one dude said. This is a bunch of people that have come to the same conclusion. There's been a couple people that have done it really like succinctly and like comprehensively, I guess, too. And they you know, when they said, yes, this is going to be so dramatically impactful for us and, and basically the risk goes to zero, that really just changes the game for me. You know, if we know we put a mask on, that this thing isn't going to be a problem. It could potentially die out if everybody did it, right? If everybody did it and we stayed away from each other, this thing wouldn't be a big deal. It wouldn't be spreading the population. We can go back to normal. We can be back at restaurants soon. Um, but it doesn't look like that that's going to be the way. So, the other thing that I, I like to kind of add to this is that 
there's more and more information saying that COVID isn't really spread by any way except for like human to human transmission. So basically cough on your hand, touch a surface, and then somebody right away touches that and then touches their mouth. Or you get your, somebody coughs into your face. Somebody's trying to tell them how, tell you how they're a free citizen and this is a free country. And then there's boogers everywhere that could potentially get into your mouth. And then that's a problem. So that being said, like a lot of people are like washing down and alcoholing off their like plastic stuff, right. And leaving your Amazon outside because they're worried about cardboard because we know there's traces of it. That'll be there for days but they're really not active. A lot of the stuff is coming back that those aren't sources of infection. So that is great too. So that means if you go out and you're touching stuff, your hand's not going to melt. You're not going to get COVID, especially if you wash your hands. And you actually brought up a really funny story. I'm not going to go into the painful detail about <laughs> your clip and like wh- how you need certain types of clips, but she, you know, you wanted to go to CVS or Target. And my advice was to go to Target. And partly because CVS is horrible and they're the devil. And then the other part <laughs> is that Target has a bathroom right near the exit mm. um, and the entrance. So you can literally finish your shopping wearing your mask, run to the bathroom, wash your hands, and then get out the store without touching anything else. And then you're good to go. So if you pick up your cell phone or if you touch your face, you don't have to worry about infecting yourself. So, And any listeners who want to come at me for needing a specific giant claw clip, <laughs> you try to tame a Jufro in summer. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I got my haircut. My guy was COVID recovered. So I was able to bring it down a little bit. My Jufro is now under control, (laughs) but, um, yeah, the masks being worn by all of us, washing our hands frequently, staying six feet away from each other is that boring advice that we've been hearing since the beginning. And it all works. And I really think, you know, again, at the beginning, wearing masks didn't really make too much sense because it wasn't really a community thing. It wasn't everywhere. And now it's everywhere. So now wearing it makes a lot of sense. Before, you weren't going to really prevent yourself from getting it unless, again, every single person wore the mask. So uh, right. anyway, it's so like it's a weird thing, and I'm really sick of everybody uh, beating each other up about it and just do it, have, have some empathy. Because I don't think that there's a way that you can talk about your rights and the mask thing without sounding like the dudes on South Park. They took her jobs. Like, they, <laughs> like there's no way that it can sound intelligent. So agreed. Um, so I, I just wanted to touch on the mask conspiracy one more time because we're not going to be talking about COVID the entire time. I want to talk about vitamins because that's what I do professionally. Oh, I remember vitamins. <laughs> so I teach supplement school, of course, and I am doing the micronutrient lesson as you are very well familiar with. Unfortunately, you have to edit all my crap. Anyway, <laughs> the no comment, <laughs> the it's nice because, you know, I do regular reviews of supplements and everything like that. So when I'm doing this class, it's a good opportunity for me to do a review. You know, I'm searching for new references. I'm reviewing our model. I'm looking about the specifics on a topic. I'm updating our recommendations to make sure it's reflective of the new information that we have, if it does change. And in all of that searching, it's a great opportunity for my blood pressure to spike so freaking much <laughs> because there is so much vitamin bullshit. It's it's not even funny. Like, uh, it's it's like the worst of the worst, right? With the vitamin stuff. So I want to take this worst of the worst that I found. I want to put it into one place. It's this podcast episode, and there are four things I'd like to touch on briefly here today. First, I want to talk about fake whole food. Mm -hmm. Second, I want to talk about this natural versus synthetic nonsense. Mm -hmm. 
Three, I want to talk about the idea that you just pee these things out. Mm-hmm. And then four, I want to give you four vitamins that you absolutely should never take. Oh, that's, that's valuable I'm curious information. About. Yeah, right? for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I think oh. I know what one of them is, though. Go ahead. I, um, I am Wrong. going... <laughs> no, for real. I'm going to guess vitamin E and hey. it's... Uh, yeah? Because I said it in the thing. You're editing my crap, so it doesn't count. You, it... Way to blow it up, Neil. <laughs> no, for real. I have a real story about this. When I was in my early 20s, mm-hmm. um, or maybe like my mid I can't remember. I was young, just getting into vitamins, mm-hmm. and vitamin E came up. I don't remember where I saw it, but I started taking it for a little while. And I was talking to my aunt, who's also really into vitamins. And she said, why are you taking vitamin E? And I was like, I don't know. It was suggested. And she's like, vitamin E, like you should not be taking vitamin E. Vitamin E is for older folks who need blah, 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 something. And if you don't fit into that category, it can actually make you severely depressed. And I don't know Mm. if any of that's true, but she was right about not taking vitamin E. So Yeah, I mean, she gets like a A for effort or 50% (laughs) uh, on that. Absolutely. Uh, The funny thing is, is like around the time that you're talking about, because it was about 2000 to 2006, we saw a 50% reduction in vitamin E cells Mm. because new information came to light that showed that it wasn't, something that you should be using. So I won't spoil it beyond that. But yes, you're right. Vitamin E is definitely one of those. And then the other, you know, like if you know me at all, you know, vitamin C is going to be another one because I freaking hate that (laughs) stupid thing. Um, I don't really hate it. I hate the worship of vitamin C. But anyway, so I want to talk about this concept of whole food vitamins. Okay. So if I said to you, I have a whole food vitamin, what do you envision that product is? I would imagine it's whatever they put into green supplements and then fortified with some other vitamins that might be sold on their own. But, you know, they put it all together into one vitamin because people don't want to take a whole handful of pills. That's interesting. Actually, you said that it was fortified because, you know, when most people think of whole food, they think of literal whole foods. Like I would take an orange and I would somehow turn it magically into a tablet and then I would mix it with cucumbers or celery or whatever healthy foods are. I don't even know. I just know cookies. So I would (laughs) dehydrate those and put those into a pill. And so a lot of people think when they're buying whole food that they're getting the opposite of what you're saying. They're getting uh, foods only and no added other vitamins. They would just be getting the foods and then all, they would not be getting just the vitamin, but they'd be getting all the healthy stuff that's found in food, except for maybe the water, right? That's when most people, if you ask them, okay, what's a whole food vitamin? That's kind of where their head goes. It's like, oh, well, it's got all the real foods and you're getting all of the things that are in foods. Because we know that, again, back to vitamin C, an orange has like, I don't know, like 10 to 20,000 different chemical compounds in there that we've identified, right? And vitamin C is just one of them. And in fact, there's a bunch of different vitamin C-like compounds that are are found in, in oranges. So we know that it's not just about the vitamin, it's about this whole thing. And that kind of goes to my point is that we know that taking vitamins isn't the same as food. Most of us do. Some of us still are kind of hooked on the idea that you can take a space pill and it's as healthy as eating something. But you know, we Can I just speak to that real quick? I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no. But anyone who thinks that any sort of replacement, I know we've done an episode on shakes and obviously mm-hmm. we go on and on about vitamins. There is a um, component about eating actual food that is very important for maintaining tooth health. And I am not True. a dentist. I did actually work in orthodontics mm-hmm. for six years, but mm-hmm. I was never trained anything more than like wire bending to make these devices. Mm-hmm. So the little bit I know... I believe would be backed up by an actual dentist who could give you more details, but it's very important to maintain good 
um, like tooth health, root gum health to eat food. Right. So any yeah. of these replacements are second best actual food. I've been wanting to say that for so many episodes, whenever <laughs> no. it's relevant. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I feel. It's like the bunny's teeth is just going to keep getting longer if you don't give them carrots. So right. they got to chew. Um, we have this expanded knowledge. We're becoming savvier. We know that vitamins aren't the same. So we're pursuing foods, but we're lazy. <laughs> yeah. we, we, uh, we don't want to you know, like cook and eat and find healthy things. And it's a lot of information. So we want somebody to just give us a magic bill. So this, that's where this whole food thing comes from. And so I, again, like if you look at whole food vitamins, products that are marketed as being whole food, they all have pictures of food on the label, carrots and veggies. And I, I kind of equate it to dog food because it's the same concept. <laughs> you go to the stupid pet store and you're like, I want my little puppy. Right. And you're like, I want to give them the best. And, so look at that label. That label's got pictures of fresh chicken and beans and like, you know, all sorts of healthy, like fruits and vegetables. Wow, my dog's going to be healthy. Meanwhile, inside it's like pudding, right? It's like, uh, you know, it looks like dried Play-Doh. Slurry. And, and, and the truth is, is that none of those things are actually in there. And even if they were, they're not the healthier choices for that animal. And that's the same thing with vitamins is that they put all these fruits and vegetables on the labels, but there's no actual fruits or vegetables going in there. So- so we have this concept of whole food vitamins. And again, I want to make a long story kind of short because I have the four things to talk about. Um, you know, most whole food products, products that are marketed as whole food, there's no food that comes in or out of the factory. If there is, it is a small amount. It's processed food powders. And the way that most food products, the way that most whole food products are made is with yeast. So they'll take yeast and they'll give yeast the normal kind of synthetic vitamins that we would take, like a Flintstones or a Centrum, mm -hmm. and they sprinkle it in there and that becomes like their growth stuff, their vitamins. Mm -hmm. And what yeast do is they incorporate it, they take it, and then they've got enzyme systems that'll take those vitamin forms and they'll convert them into the more active forms. Because most vitamins that we take, those uber synthetic vitamins that I call them, aren't really the things our body uses. We have to take folic acid and we have to convert it to something else, tetrahydrofolate, right? So we have to do that and we have to have an enzyme that will do that. So the yeast has that little guy. So he takes a folic acid molecule that you scrape on that, you know, throw into his bath and he spits out a tetrahydrofolate. And so these products are yeasts fed synthetic vitamins that output more synthetic vitamins that are just a little bit more preferred by our bodies. So I eat food, I think, and I just had like, no joke, a kale salad with almonds and chicken on it. So it was one of the healthiest things I've eaten in my life. And nowhere was there like yeast powder with synthetic vitamins like at all, right? We don't eat yeast powder with synthetic vitamins. That's not food to us. But these vitamin companies are using the term food, which is technically a little bit unregulated, very, very loosey-goosey here. And they're telling you that they're selling you whole food vitamins. How often would you buy a product that said, instead of whole food, said yeast grown? Uh, probably not at all because <laughs> chicks are usually reluctant to eat yeast. Yes. Um, is that because of the vagina? I that is know. exactly okay. why. Yeah. All right. Good. I just didn't know. So this concept of yeast grown has been renamed probiotic cultured. And one of the things I also teach people and my other healthcare professionals is that just because something's a microbe doesn't mean it's 
probiotic. I think Jessica Terhar was on the podcast and was very clear that just because something is a bacteria or a yeast doesn't mean its properties are probiotic. So there's a lot of foods that say, you know, it's got probiotics in it, but it's just like a, a, a few strains of yeast that are left over or bacteria. And so- uh, oh, Left over, that's reassuring. Yeah, it's because it's, it's all processed and then filtered out. But anyway, so they've taken this yeast grown or yeast cultured idea and they've turned the name into probiotic cultured. Now the brands that do this are Garden of Life, who is owned by Nestle, which is the devil- and new chapter, Standard Process does some of it. Dr. Mercola does some of this. Megafood does this. These are brands that are okay with probiotic cultured, but then they label their products food-based or whole food. And I think that's bad. I mean, New Chapter is actually the founder wrote the book on it. Like literally, there's mm. a book uh, that is written about how you can probiotic culture your vitamins and that they're better. And here's the deal is that when it comes down to it, this is one of those bait and switch conversations. We are buying a product that says whole food on it. So there should be food in the product. The nuance of probiotic cultured and whether it's good or bad and, it, and does our body use it and all of that other stuff is irrelevant. We're buying products that say whole food and it's not really even close to food. Okay. So that's just kind of my, my one kind of pet peeve here in this, in this industry is that when you see something that says whole food, it's almost definitely not it. There's some sort of synthetic process, some sort of manipulation. And at the end of it, the big brands that are doing it aren't even using food. They're using yeast with synthetic vitamins that spit out smarter synthetic vitamins. And then they sprinkle a little bit of food powder in there to make you feel like, oh yeah, I've got, I'm getting some food here, you know? Which is ridiculous on its face because who's going to break open a capsule and do their own testing? Right. They don't even have to waste that sprinkling of food. I mean, there are hints that it's BS that anybody can pick up on. So if you pick up a, a vitamin that says it's whole food, well, look for the food, right? If you see things like ascorbic acid and DL-alpha tocopherol and chemical names, right? These are you know chemical names for chemical ingredients that are added. Um, that's normally a good sign, but then otherwise look for what the food is. And in some of these brands, you'll see, you know, organic food blend and it lists a bunch of foods that look really healthy, like cranberries and all this stuff. I'm like, Oh, I don't eat that. I, I'm look at all that stuff I'm getting, but then you have to kind of do the math. Does it make sense? Well, if there's a hundred milligrams of this food blend and there's 10 ingredients, that means that each one of those foods is 10 milligrams. Do you know what 10 milligrams is? If you take a paperclip and cut it into a thousand pieces and use 10 of them, that's 10 milligrams. So, so that's how much food you're getting in these products. So if you could look at a label and just kind of pick it apart, don't look at the front of a supplement bottle. Always look at the supplement facts panel because that's going to be a closer source of truth for what that product is. The rest of it is really just marketing. So, um, so that's my, my kind of mini rant is like most supplements that say they're whole food are not whole food. In fact, they are the opposite of food. They are yeast and synthetic vitamins. Hmm. Is that interesting? That is, that is infuriating as most of our discussions about vitamins are, because you're mm -hmm. always like, everyone is lying to you mm -hmm. and yeah, I should think, just eat good for you food. Yeah. And I love supplements. Uh, it should be pretty obvious that I want everybody to take supplements. I want them to take the ones that they need. 
and not any of the nonsense. And I just say this stuff not to beat up on your decisions or beat up really on um, the products, but to beat up on the misinformation. How how deep will the lies go? How much will they do to to pull one over on you? The, what? Why not be honest, right? Yeah. Why can't we just say what we're supposed to say? Like say the right thing. And 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 the thing is, is because they know that we won't. We won't ask those hard questions. It makes us feel good, just like it makes somebody to feel good that you know they're they have the rights and they don't want to wear a mask, right? It makes us feel good to ignore the the hard stuff and eat these products that are marketed in a way that is lying. So yeah, your vitamins are definitely lying to you. And that goes to the second point that I want to kind of talk about that I uncovered here is this idea of natural versus synthetic. So if I gave you the choice between natural vitamins and synthetic vitamins, what would you choose? Well, you know, it's a trick question, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously I'm going to want to go natural, 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 I would think to myself, how could any of this truly be natural because you're processing all these vitamins out of real food? Yep, that's exactly the right answer. God, it's genius. almost like you have heard it before. But the <laughs> the, the, the idea is that the it's really important for us to understand that that is a fake argument. That's not really what's going on here. There's something that I used to say. I used to say, well, you want the natural sources of your vitamins. You don't want the synthetic forms. But the truth of the matter is, is that almost all vitamins now are synthetic. They all come from some sort of synthetic sources. If you go online, you Google natural versus synthetic, there's bloggers out there and like even reputable quote unquote sites that are saying, well, here's a list of synthetic compounds and here's the alternative. You want to use these, but it's actually not accurate because a lot of those things that they're pointing out that are natural are actually synthetic compounds. They're made in a lab. So like, for example, vitamin A, you think vitamin A is this natural vitamin. It's going to help you. It's going to be healthy, but vitamin A comes from massatone, right? And even squalene sometimes, which is like, what the hell is that? That sounds really scary, right? <laughs> that uh, sounds like a character from SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. Squalene the squid. Yeah. <laughs> so the vitamin itself it doesn't really matter where it comes from. What matters is, is our body going to use it? Is, are we going to absorb it? Is it going to help us? Is it going to hurt us, right? And so what matters most isn't getting this natural or a synthetic one. It's, it's about like accomplishing the goal. So here's a quick example of two things where this like natural synthetic thing kind of comes up. So folic acid is a synthetic compound. It's what's found in supplements and it's what's found in fortified foods, right? Folate or tetrahydrofolate is the natural form. It's one of the folates that are found in foods, okay? Um, that's a different compound, two different chemicals entirely. In fact, uh, you know, some of the, one works better, one is, is efficient and it works, but it's not really ideal. There's some risks, and we'll talk about that at the last like little bit. The, they're completely different, one synthetic, one's natural. The truth of the matter is that if you took a, supplement that had like something like L-methylfolate, which is another naturally occurring folate, that's a synthetic product too. They're making that through a, a chemical process. So whether it's the, the type of vitamin that our body uses or not, doesn't really matter. What I'm talking about is like the fact that it's a synthetic vitamin. It's coming from a synthetic process. Very much like what we're talking about with this whole food stuff. We're talking about them taking synthetic vitamins and throwing over yeast and the yeast spits out another synthetic vitamin, right? Another isolated synthetic thing. So um, really, it's all just like 
I guess, bullshit marketing, right? It's because it's, at the end of the day, it's just another synthetic compound, whether it's folic acid or this L-methylfolate. Another example would be vitamin C. Vitamin C from an orange versus vitamin C from the, you know, the normal method of making vitamin C is the same exact compound, same thing. Uh, identical, crystal clear. You couldn't even tell them apart under a microscope. So is it better to have the natural form or is it better to have the synthetic form? And really what it comes down to when we're talking about this idea of natural and synthetic is to not really know all of this nuancey BS kind of crap. It's to just take a step back and realize that if somebody's saying natural versus synthetic, they're marketing to you. They're trying to appeal to you what you want. They want to make it sexy for you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not real. You know, again, it doesn't matter. It's not real. There is no vitamins practically that are purely natural and they're, and they're untouched and, and everything. Everything is going to be chemically modified and manipulated in some way. So you have to kind of take a step back and realize that if somebody's saying, oh, this is a natural source of this or a natural form of that, you know, what is, what is it that they're trying to say? Because really these vitamins are all made up synthetic nonsense. So I feel like that's going to be the final thought on all of these vitamins. <laughs> right. Is that it's just made up nonsense. So, <laughs> you know, and one of the things that I always do, because again, I was just beating up on vitamin C. One of the things that I always do is I come up with somebody and they're like, why don't you like the more natural thing? We could talk about freaking COVID again. Why not? Right. Why don't you just tell people how many oranges they'd have to eat to get as much vitamin C as in any supplement? Well, that's a good one. So, um, so the, and that's kind of what I'm talking about is like the idea is like, I want to take something natural for fighting COVID like vitamin C. And I say, well, what's natural about GMO corn being converted enzymatically in a lab to ascorbic acid, then being put into a tablet filled with stuff that isn't really absorbable and given at doses that are five to six times what we need in an entire day. What's natural about that? Cause that sure sounds like a drug to me, right? Mm. That sounds like a drug to you. So when we're talking about this natural synthetic debate, we have to understand that the natural amounts of vitamins that we need is very, very low. I think the RDA, or the recommended daily allowance of vitamin C, is between 90 and 120 milligrams. And you can even argue that there's probably like 30% of people that aren't even getting that because we don't eat fruits and vegetables in this country. But <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> but it's not like taking a 500 milligram dose of vitamin C is the option. It's, it's eating just some more fruits and vegetables. That's it. Like that's all you need to do. Um, but we certainly don't need the 500 milligrams. So when we're using these vitamins, these quote unquote natural products that are synthesized in a lab that are higher doses than we want, we're, we're talking about drugs. We're not talking about vitamins anymore. When we're talking about vitamins, we're talking about just the stuff that we need to make our bodies work optimally, not these mega dose crazy things. Right. Um, and so that's kind of another side of it, but yeah, I mean, you can say for a lot of vitamins that they're chemicals. In fact, I've come up with a term, I call it HD Sims, high dose, synthetic, isolated micronutrients. And that's what these products are. That's, it should be a whole new category because when we talk about vitamins, the idea of vitamin C, we need 120 milligrams a day right? So that's a vitamin dose, not this crazy 500, 1000, or this five grams intravenous four times a day nonsense that's going on, right? So that moves us uh, in a nice way to my third complaint about vitamins that I want to put in one spot is this idea of you just pee it out. So we used to say that vitamins give you expensive urine. That's what we said in pharmacy school <laughs> when we were nerds. 
I have already told the story and I will reiterate that the reason I stopped taking a multivitamin for good, um, probably about 10 years ago at this point, is because the one I was taking, I guess changed their formula or something, and suddenly my urine was bright orange and mm-hmm. no amount of water was diluting it. And your dog was twitching and the birds were flying <laughs> counterclockwise. I was like, that just can't be good for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and the idea of you just pee it out goes back to the idea of water-soluble vitamins versus fat-soluble vitamins. We've all heard this before. A, D, E, and K are the fat-soluble vitamins. And we know we can't take too much of those because they will accumulate in our body. But vitamins B and vitamin C are both water-soluble, so our body will just pee them out so you don't have to worry about it. And I'm here to tell you that's not technically true. Um, There's time that happens between you taking the thing and you peeing it out where it's circulating through your bloodstream. And if you're taking these supplements on a consistent basis, that means you have a consistent amount of this stuff circulating in your body as if it's accumulating. And that actually ends up becoming a problem. So when it comes to using vitamins, we have kind of touched on the idea that there's a difference between replacing things that you're missing, like taking a little bit extra vitamin C if you needed it, versus taking a high dose of something because we have some clinical data that says, I, if I take this dose, this thing will happen. We don't need zinc, for example. But if I take a zinc lozenge and I suck on it six times a day for two days, I'm not going to have a cold. So I'm taking something for a specific indication, and there's good data to prove that it works. Those are two different uses of the vitamins. So we take these vitamins confidently because we know that there's some sort of clinical data We take these vitamins confidently at these higher doses than what we really need because we know that there's some data saying that there's a good reason for you to do that. If you do it, it'll help you. But we ignore the other side. The other side is the data that says if you take these high doses, it'll hurt you. And it's one of those like confirmation bias things. I say it all the time. I can point out, I have a 15-page document that lists every single, and it's just links. It's a bulleted list. Links of all the supplement quality stuff that I found just in the past few years, right? Um, CBD is mislabeled 31% of the time, and 80% of the herbs in the attorney general's thing, you know, didn't have any active ingredients. And so it's like 15 pages. I can show somebody that, and they'll still keep buying supplements, right? It's the confirmation (laughs) bias thing that we have. Um, We have to look at that data that says, you know, what harm can come from these things? And we ignore that. So when we take something like vitamin C at a high dose every day, we probably disregard the data that connects vitamin C to having a pro-oxidant effect in the blood if you have too much of it at any given time. Yes, you'll pee it out eventually, but the stuff that's floating around can be a problem. One of the one that I think is the most interesting is folic acid. Folic acid, like I just said, is the synthetic version. If you take tetrahydrofolate, your body will use it up. If you take folic acid, your body has to convert it. It has to convert it from folic acid to that folate, those other folates that our body will use. Now, that enzyme can get saturated, meaning it's got too much work to do and it can't get to everybody. So then there's folic acid circulating in your blood uh, while it's waiting for its turn to get chewed up and turned into the other thing. And what they found is, is that that unmetabolized folic acid circulating through the body has lots of different risks. Um, hmm. uh, and it can become a problem. So they actually recommend doses less than 200 micrograms of folic acid at any one time because it otherwise will saturate our body's abilities to handle that vitamin. So what does that mean? What does that connect to? Well, developmental delays in children. What? Yeah. 
four to five years after they were exposed to it in utero, it can change that. And so that data is out there. And I would recommend everybody go to the National Institute of Health, the Office of Dietary Supplements. That's where you find the real information about vitamins. And to be honest with you, you would think a government group would say, oh, boo, vitamins, but they're not. They actually say omega-3. Well, here's a lot of really good data that says that it's okay, even though it's smaller and it's not a big, beautiful clinical trial that's put up by this big company. Um, so folic acid carries risk because it's not the ideal form. And as a result, our body and the doses we take are too high. Our body can't handle it. And yeah, it's a B vitamin and we would just pee it out, but it's actually just circulating through our blood before we pee it out and exposing us to all sorts of problems. So check your prenatal vitamins. Check your prenatal vitamins for real. Um, you re when you're pregnant, you only need about 600 to 800 micrograms, depending on what stage of the process you are. So um, definitely check your prenatal vitamins. Don't use folic acid to save the day. Use folate. L-methylfolate is probably preferred. But even then, you can bring the dose down quite a bit because people take like a milligram of that stuff. Um, you can use a lot less. So let's get to what everybody's probably most excited about is Neil's four vitamins that you should not use. So I have actually an article online that says the four supplements you shouldn't use, which is different than this. Vitamins, again, are vitamins A, B, C, D, E, and K. And then vitamin B, there are eight different active forms, nine technically if you count inositol, but you have eight different forms. I know I do. <laughs> You're funny. Uh, <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. So uh, eight different forms of vitamin B. So there's, what is that? Uh, seven and four. Four, seven and eight is what? That's uh, 17 minus two. That's 15. 15 different vitamins. That was a long, uh, is that common core? <laughs> that's, that's what I feel like. It's, <laughs> like they're doing division now. I'm like, what are you doing? Just divide the two, nah, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway. That's a whole other podcast. So I'm talking about the 15 different vitamins um, that you could potentially get exposed to. Of those, there are four that I put a big question mark next to, and I would prefer that people not even bother supplementing with these, okay? So the first is vitamin E because you ruined my surprise by being smart. Mm. Uh, vitamin E at doses of 10 units or more in a few different big reviews has shown to increase all-cause mortality. What? <laughs> and it was actually tied to hemorrhagic stroke. That was the big thing. Oh that's, my God. That's what I know it for. If you take doses of more than 400 units of vitamin E, you can increase your risk for hemorrhagic stroke. And a lot of purists, well, a lot of supplement people will then throw out, well, that was because it's the synthetic or it was just the alpha tocopherol because vitamin E, just like vitamin B, there's a lot of different vitamins within that umbrella. And they said, well, you have to take all of them because that's more natural, but that's not really true either. We, and we don't know. It's not like we've done a we're, we're not going to do a clinical trial that says, hey, take this whole E-complex and see if you die or not. You know, that's pretty unethical <laughs> at this point. If we know that it could potentially cause that problem, we're not going to test the other thing. So um, I just think, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of my aunt and because she's, because I know her, nobody else does. It's really only funny for me, but I just love that she was so wrong about her reasoning, but still had the right answer right. in the end. Yeah, exactly. She's right on the money. So, um, yeah, and that's, you know, i that's the other thing with this whole mask and coronavirus thing is that people are pained, but they're not eloquent. So then they just parrot the words that their media source gives them. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the problem is that they're not going to say, hey, Neil, I see that you're writing all these articles and I've got a knowledge gap. Can you just kind of fill me in and tell me where to look and that kind of a thing? They're just like, it's bad, you know. Mm. So and the same thing with vitamins. So. OK, so real quick. I have used vitamin E as a topical ointment, kind of like uh, Neosporin or whatever. I found it worked really well. 
Is there any danger in that? Because I really no hoping no. Okay, no, that's good. that's great. Yeah. In fact, I that's what I would encourage vitamin E for is like scars and such. And uh, so just apply it topically and you can get that in super concentrates, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that vitamin E topically is more than fine. It's more when you take it internally and what it's going to do to your body, uh, versus like what it's going to do superficially on your skin. You know? Okay. That's thank God. <laughs> so yeah, so, uh, vitamin E and it also has like a pro oxidant effect. The way that I consider the work of an antioxidant, imagine, uh, your blood vessels have like a tube, right? Like a subway and a free radical is the thing that an antioxidant will help out with, um, is like a guy running around the subway station with a knife, you know, he's just running around, not stabbing anybody, just running around. Just if he bumps into you, he's going to cut you. Right. And so you got a bunch of people bleeding everywhere and then your immune system has to come in and then end up being a big mess. And so what an antioxidant does is like either puts a sheath on the knife or gets rid of the knife altogether. And so that's how an antioxidant works in the body with uh, graphic analogies. So um, very apropos. <laughs> so vitamin E is an antioxidant when you eat it from foods. When you get too much of it, it, it's a prooxidant. So essentially, it's it's like giving that knifed up guy running around the subway cocaine. It's, uh, it's <laughs> or it's giving him another knife, or it's acting like him entirely. So um, we don't want our antioxidants to have prooxidant effect. In fact, we want less oxidation and more antioxidation. So that's a problem, right? Yes. The second one we shouldn't take is vitamin A. Vitamin A should not be used because most of us only need a few hundred micrograms of vitamin A uh, to cover any gaps that we're missing from our diet. And most of the supplement doses are 21 to 30 times the, the upper limit that we should be getting. Oh, man. It's a lot. And vitamin A is actually tied to a lung cancer risk. The, there's a risk of lung cancer in any past and current smokers. And because so many people are doing the puff, puff, pass thing since marijuana is legal yeah, yeah. and using those silly little fluty things, the vapes, <laughs> uh, I get very worried that somebody could potentially have that elevated risk of lung cancer by taking a vitamin A supplement. Hmm. I, uh, yeah, that is really news to me. Mm -hmm. And I have been listening to you yammer on about <laughs> vitamins for eight weeks. Right. So that is a, a big problem. We want to avoid that. Again, taking enough to cover a gap. So if you look at the average intake, we're not eating lots of beta carotene, which is from, again, carrots and citrus fruits and stuff like that and greens. So we don't eat enough of it. And we're short about 200 micrograms. So we need another like serving and a half basically to cover our gap. And if you wanted to take a smart multivitamin, it would have just enough to cover what you need. But that's not what's available. Most vitamins contain five to 10 times that amount. So if I were to formulate a vitamin that would contain vitamin A, I would want it to have a very small amount of vitamin A just to cover the gaps and not expose somebody to those risks. There's also stuff where um, vitamin A, because vitamin A comes from two sources. It comes from animals and it comes from plants. The animal source of vitamin A is technically teratinogenic, meaning it causes birth defects in babies at a certain dose at a certain time. Um, so there's a risk of that. So that's why you should not be taking vitamin A for pregnant. You know, so check wow. your multivitamin. So it normally the prenatal vitamins will have beta carotene in them because it doesn't have that same risk. But who knows? 
So you have to be super careful with this stuff. We think that they're natural. We think that they're safe. We think that they're real. They're not. They're bullshit. They carry risk. We have to be aware of what the risks are. And we have to um, look out for ourselves because those companies are just trying to market you on stuff. Quick question then. What is your feeling in general on prenatal vitamins? Uh, I love them. I actually do. I have a whole article on prenatal vitamins um, on the site if you just type in prenatal. So my general recommendation is that you understand what is it that you're doing for the baby? So the first thing that you're doing for the baby is the folic acid. You want to prevent those neural tube defects. So that's the biggest change. And then everything else is stuff that you should be doing as a woman anyway. It's just maybe a little bit more because the little succubus is taking away all your energy. So um, with a prenatal vitamin, there are certain things that you'll need. You'll need extra vitamin D. You'll need extra omega-3. You'll need extra folic acid. You might need some extra iron. And then there's other vitamins there. So taking a prenatal vitamin is a great idea to just to make sure that you're covering all your gaps. You don't want your baby to not have every little micronutrient that it needs. Um, but I just propose a smarter way to do it. Look at the vital five again. What are the five nutrients that everybody would benefit from? And then what needs to be tweaked because you're pregnant? And so typically what we say is you're taking a high dose omega because the omega that's found in most prenatal vitamins will be about one sixth the dose you'll need. It won't give you any benefit, right? And um, you know, you need vitamin D. Most people are taking a thousand units. You need about 2000 or more when you're pregnant. The folic acid might be you know, too much. It might be the wrong form. So again, check that article out. And it's just a really kind of cool take on the whole thing. Think of yourself as a woman. <laughs> First, that's also pregnant. And so supplement for you and then make sure that your doses are adequate because of the little baby goat that is growing in your belly. <laughs> we call our kids in our family baby goat. It started with my cousin's kid um, because she, I don't know, he just started singing that she was a baby goat. And then my daughter started eating socks. Like she would just chew on socks. So I, I was like, yeah, she's going to start eating cans. She's a baby goat too. And now my other niece is uh, totally eating everything like uh, like a baby goat. So she it's like, I don't know if it's in my wife's side because it's, this is all my wife's uh, family. So I think that uh, we have a goat genetic problem. You it know, maybe sounds like shepherds. they might be low on fiber. <laughs> maybe the ancestors were shepherds. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So then the third vitamin that I also talked about was vitamin C. Vitamin C worship is the worst thing for me. We think that vitamin C is stronger and better for you than it is. We get too much of it. We uh, can't really absorb it. Most of it goes out in our feces. But again, there's a lot of it moving around unprocessed in our blood, and it's been shown to have a pro-oxidant effect as well. And we don't want that kind of stuff. And I'm sure you can find lots of information about vitamin C's risk at high doses that is often commonly ignored, especially over a long period of time. So that's just one that I would say the the benefits of it are overplayed and there's this cultural worship of vitamin C you know people still to this day are talking about why can't we treat covid with vitamin C because it doesn't work we had a a dude in china that registered a trial that was giving somebody 24 grams of vitamin C you can't get any more without dying and and if it worked we would have heard by now trust me we would have heard by now it's not like nobody makes money. I think Pfizer is still the number one supplier of vitamin C to the world. They definitely would make money on the thing. The price of vitamin C would go through the roof. So um, vitamin C worship is really the problem. And because of the high dose nature of it, we want to kind of cut it out of our lives. Just eat some peppers, right? That's all you need. And then the fourth vitamin to avoid is folic acid, not folate, but folic acid, especially in doses over 200 micrograms. Like I said, our body kind of maxes out at about 200 uh, micrograms. So we want to not take more than that. 
Um, and then we're avoiding all of those potential risks. So the four vitamins to avoid would be vitamin E, vitamin A, vitamin C, and folic acid. Hmm. Well, that, um, yeah, I have nothing clever to say because that was just interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that I've got you entranced here. <laughs> Mega doses of chemically created products are drugs. End of story. Whether they're marketed as whole food, whether they're marketed as natural, and they try to tell you that it's better because it's not synthetic, it's synthetic at the end of the day. You're not going to just pee all of these things out. They're not just benign. So as a result, you have to be much more careful about the micronutrients that you select, especially vitamins. Stay away from vitamins E, A, C, and folic acid from the forms that we're buying, these isolates. If you eat foods rich in these compounds, that's a completely different story. So if you want vitamin E, eat some wheat germ oil, okay? Um, there's, you know, like sunflower seeds are, are rich in it. Vitamin A found, again, in um, orange stuff, red stuff, green stuff is rich in vitamin A. Vitamin C, same kind of thing. Peppers, citrus, and if you want like a concentrate of it, acerola cherry, you can get that in a powder form. Folic acid, dark leafy greens. And if you notice, what's the theme there? It's colorful fruits and vegetables. That's where all of this stuff is coming from. Eat that stuff mm. and you won't have these deficiencies. You won't have these gaps uh, in your diet. So as it stands, I want you to eat your food. Don't buy into the BS that's going out there about masks or about vitamins. And that's all I got to say. Word up. All right. So until next time, keep listening, keep learning and be well. Be well.